Welcome to another edition of Now is the Time with Steve Bergson on Hebrew Nation Radio. Now is the Time is a production of MTOI, Messianic Torah Observant Israel. For more information, visit mtoi.org. Now, here's Steve. All right, here we go. Are you covenanted? Part 16. Part 16. Now, let's remember as we're going through this whole covenant idea, and we've been traveling a lot from basically from Genesis moving forward. And I want to make sure to remind us a few things. Okay, what are we looking at? We're looking at this very serious, very important concept called a relationship called covenanting. It's an agreement, usually formal, between two or more people to do or not do some specified things, something specified. We saw at Mount Sinai, the covenant that was given was specifically between who? The children of Israel and the Creator, Yahweh, and specifically the things to do or not to do were called the Torah. They were given a very specific list of do's and don'ts. Okay? Now, when the covenant is between Yahweh and mankind, there are conditions attached to that oath on the human side. If the human party involved in covenant with Yahweh does not keep the covenant's conditions, there are consequences. Now, let's understand that we're now starting to read, as we've gotten into the Psalms, dealing with the results of some of the consequences and we're also dealing with, as we go through this part, we're going to pay attention to the role and the effect of our remembering what Yah has already done and how that affects our relationship with him in terms of covenant. You know, when we don't remember what he's done, it does affect our covenanting relationship in a very strong way because then we tend to do things where, that were not part of the covenant. We break covenant. When we remember what he's done and we pay attention to it and it stays as frontless before our eyes, we tend to keep covenant. And we've been seeing that previous to getting into the Psalms. We went through some of the chapters that dealt with some of the kings. And the kings did what? When it was a good king, they reminded the people about the covenant and all the things Yahweh had done. And the people did what was right. When it was a bad king, the king didn't care what Yahweh had done and led them into doing things that were breaking covenant. But it's all about being covenanted. So now we're going to continue here in Psalm 103. Okay, we're going to read the whole Psalm here, 22 verses. And again, as we start going more through the Psalms, and hopefully we're going to finish the Psalms today a little bit. That's like my hope. As you all know, whenever I say that, we never get it done. But okay, we'll try. All right, Psalm 103. And again, let's reminding ourselves we're looking at, in our own lives, when we see the examples that were written for us, where are the people doing well and where are they doing poorly? And then look at yourself and say, which one am I similar to? Am I behaving similar to those that were doing well or those that weren't? Because we're going to see continuously throughout Scripture the result, the fruit of either choice. And so the whole point for you is not just reading this because it's interesting and knowing what happened in those years past, but to say, how should this influence me? How should it inspire me or maybe correct me? Because I see, ooh, I'm kind of acting like these guys over here and these guys are in trouble. So I need to make a course adjustment. I need to make a correction. So I started acting in a way that's pleasing in the sight of the creator who I've covenanted with. And so that's really important as we go through this. Let's begin in Psalm 103, verse 1. Bless Yahweh, O my being, and all that is in me. Bless his set-apart name. If you're going to spend time figuring out verse 1, you'd probably be in good shape. 
In other words, if you can bless Yahweh with all that is in you, if you can, with all that is in you, bless his holy name, his set-apart name, his Kadosh name. Because there's times when you don't appreciate him. There's times when you forget all that he's done. There's times when you're frustrated with him because he hasn't responded as fast as you want. Or he didn't give you the answers you wanted. Or he didn't give you the things you wanted. Or he allowed something to happen you didn't want. And so, we need to start off with, Bless Yahweh, oh my being. Okay, oh my being means all of you. Not just your heart, not just your mind, not just your physical body. With everything, he says, all that is within me, bless his set-apart name. Bless Yahweh, O my being, and do not forget all his dealings. Don't forget how he's dealt with people. Don't forget the results of the relationship and how our behavior affects that relationship. Remember we said, in a relationship called covenant between Yahweh and people, Breaking covenant on the human side brings consequences. Those are part of the words dealings there. But also, keeping relationship brings an abundant fruit, a blessing. Those are, again, dealings. We told about this in Deuteronomy 28. See, the beautiful thing, I don't think there's another way for me to say it. I think it's beautiful. The beautiful thing that you see in Scripture is that Yahweh says it, then when they do it, what he said happens. When they behaved well, he promised them certain blessings. And guess what? While they were behaving well, they had those blessings. He said, if you don't obey, you're going to receive these cursings. And we see them disobey. And guess what? They get those cursings. That to me is a beautiful thing. You see that you do reap what you sow. You see that the covenant is true on both sides. Both sides, not, not saying you and him, but meaning when you do right and when you do wrong. The blessing and the curse both are real. He means it, and you can see him play it through. So he says, do not forget all of his dealings. Yahweh is the one who forgives all your crookednesses, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with kindness and compassion, who satisfies your desire with the good. Your youth is renewed like the eagles. Yahweh is doing righteousness. And right, ruling for all the oppressed. So he starts off reminding you of the good stuff. He forgives all your crookedness. Isn't that a good thing? Because, you know, we get frustrated with people because there are people out there that won't forgive us. Some of you have actually the hardest one, which is don't forgive yourself. Matter of fact, there's a good chunk of you, a good percentage of you that really struggle with that piece. How do I forgive myself when I look back and I feel loathing for some of the things that I did. Well, the point is, it's something you did. As long as you're not doing, and it's still a did, then we can let it go. You repent of it, you make teshuvah, you change the way you're behaving, and then you release it. So he forgives us, he heals us, he redeems us, he crowns us with kindness and compassion, he satisfies your desire. Now, notice that that one, some of you are like, no, he doesn't. Well, yeah, no, no. It says, with the good. When you desire incorrectly, he's not going to give you that. Although, you know what? Sometimes he does. It's like, oh, you want that? Fine, go have that. You want to go play with the pigs? Go play with the pigs. You see that in the prodigal son story. Oh, you want to go take your inheritance and just do whatever you want with it? Fine, go. Let's see how that works for you. 
So he may satisfy your desire, even sometimes by allowing you to do that which is not good. Because ultimately, it should produce good. Because you'll start to see how dumb and foolish we are. And so we should then make adjustments when we realize, well, that didn't work. That's what you see again in the story of the prodigal. He realized in squandering his inheritance and doing all those things, he was ready to go back and even eat what was given to the pigs. After all, the pigs were always fed and he was starving. There was a humbling that was played out there. So what do we know from Scripture? All things work together for the good. All things. That's emunah. Yahweh either allows it or he causes it. Because ultimately it's to produce good. When he punished them, he said, I will punish you seven times for your crookedness. Expecting them to teshuvah. And he said, if you don't, I'm going to punish you some more. Expecting good results at some point for the teshuvah. All of these things, it says in Deuteronomy, and we do that as part of our Deuteronomy 8.2 thing. right? What is the first thing it says? This whole thing was to humble us. It says, Yahweh led them through that wilderness to humble them. That, you know, when you go into the military, what is the first thing they want to do to you? They got to break you down before they can build you up. You got to get rid of all that self-sovereignty, all that ego and pride, and be humbled. Well, this is just like that. You are not very usable or useful to Yahweh until he breaks you down. So he can rebuild you in his image. Because we have lost touch with, we've drifted from that original, he created us in his image. Then we decided to make the image into our own image and do what we want and grab on to self-sovereignty so that there's that humbling. And then it says later on, a few verses later, it says, and he will correct you, chastise you. Because what father wouldn't do that to a son he loves? So we should hopefully know that when we see people in physical life today, we see the result of spoiled, entitled, enabled, uncorrected people. Is it pretty when you see that? No. Is it fun to interact with those people? No. Is that going to make for a forever wonderful kingdom if they're all in there in that condition? No. I'm not saying I don't want them there. They need to change. Just like we all need to change. What have I always said? It's come as you are, but don't stay that way. Yes, we welcome everyone to come as they are. But the plan is that when you come, you transform. Not immediately. You don't just show up and it's like this magical transformation like in the movies and you spin up in the air and lights are flashing. And then you come down and you're perfect now. But over time, between the influence of a teacher, a community, his word, the Ruach HaKodesh, and his correction with things like blessings and cursings, hopefully we then get motivated to change. You know, it talks about how he will cause us to have a renewed heart. He'll cause us to have these things. It's not just him reaching in, taking it out, and putting a new heart in you. Or waving his magic hand, and boom. All that selfishness and ego and pride and all that other stuff is gone. Remember the teaching, making decisions, the reason you exist. Okay, there you go for the ones. The good old class is watching. Okay, that's the first teaching you mentioned. Write it down. Okay? What was the whole point of life? It's for him to watch us make choices. He could do it all for you. What would be the point? And why would he need human beings? Why would we need free will? He wants us to choose life. To choose him. 
And the relationship we do that in is called a covenantal relationship. It's a commitment to him. And it has the parameters called the Torah in there. Remember we said that when it's done, a covenant is to to make an agreement to do or not do specified things. And he also covenants to say he will do or not do certain things. Didn't he covenant with the rainbow and said, I will not flood the earth again? His covenant said it specified there was something he would not do. I will not do this. That's my covenant. Covenants specify doing and not doing. But see, we got a lot of people out there that think, well, we shouldn't be told what to do and not do. You see the world the way it is today, how messy it is? That's what happens when you have no real authority telling people what they really can and can't do. Or when an abusive government wants to tell you what you can and can't do, and then you really can and can't do the things you should be doing, because they've got their own warped, fleshly, human idea of what's right and wrong. And I'm not necessarily talking about this government, just governments in general. Okay? So he starts off reminding us who we're dealing with. By the way, that's a great way to approach everything. When you approach Yahweh, don't go there just griping and whining and this and that. Start off with, bless Yahweh, all my soul, all my being. And with all that's in me, bless his holy name. And remember, before you say a word, remember all the wonderful things he's done in your life. Because some of you, I'm not saying this, I shouldn't say with that sort of tone. Some of you have told me that had he not done what he's done in your life, you would probably be dead right now. And I'm not just meaning people here. I mean, on the live stream too. Some of you have told me where you're, the path you were on was headed into destruction through violence or drugs or something. You were going to end up dead. Remember that. Some of you were really depressed and frustrated and, and lost because you had no answers. Is there more to life? And he gave you those answers. He redeemed you out of that place of nothing. I don't know how people live with nothing. Now, I started off with nothing. And it was because I was frustrated having nothing that I sought after something. (laughs) And he opened my eyes and my ears and responded to my desire to understand that there had to be more. Because I was raised in a secular Jewish home with no beliefs, anything vertical, all the way into my early 20s. And it was like a 21, 22, whatever, something like that. And I was like, there's got to be more than this because this is depressing. If all there is is me trying to figure out how to enjoy this life and be able to afford to do it and everything else, that's depressing. If there's no plan, if there's no purpose, so remind yourself He's revealed to you that. You came out of a place. Look, don't be like the Israelites wanting to go back to Egypt. And use Egypt as a metaphor for your life before he opened your eyes. Do you really want to go back to that? Was that really working for you? You're going to sit there going, oh, the leaks, and we had all this other stuff. I'm not saying everything was awful in that other life. Obviously, you enjoyed certain aspects of it. But is that what you want to go back to? So start off remembering and appreciating that you're here now and you're not there anymore. And then he continues. I don't know where I left off. Okay, verse 7. Actually, you know what? In verse 6, I want to remind us. He says, Yahweh is doing righteousness and right ruling for all the oppressed. Sin is bondage. Sin oppresses. 
You are in freedom under Torah. It sets you free from bondage and oppression. So that's what that verse is trying to tell you. Yahweh is doing right things, righteously, righteousness, and right ruling for who? For all the oppressed. He's shown you a path out of oppression and slavery to sin by giving you that which brings all of these blessings of life, of kindness, of compassion, of good things, of shalom, having peace in your life. Some of you had no peace before you found Yahweh and Torah. Oh, you were in other systems and other beliefs, but you didn't have peace. You were, that was part of what made you look for him is because he had allowed your peace to be disturbed and you were looking for that peace that he brings. Verse 7, he made known his ways to Moshe, his acts to the children of Israel. Yahweh is compassionate and showing favor, patient and great in kindness. Do you understand? Now, maybe you do, maybe you don't. But do you understand the whole point of the covenant? The whole point of everything Yahweh is doing is so that you become like him. That's the whole point of all this. For you to transform and conform into him. So what does he say here? He says, look, as he's reading this down, he says, Yahweh is compassionate and he shows favor and he's patient and great in kindness. Do you exemplify those things? Are you compassionate? Do you show favor? Are you patient? Are you great in kindness to people? Are you harsh and impatient and intolerant? Oh, look at the body all over Facebook and everywhere else on social media. How intolerant and how unkind we look. And we wonder why Christians and others don't want to become a part of this thing. But oh, we, we can be so harsh, so unloving. Where's the fruit of the Spirit? Is there gentleness? Is there meekness? Is there kindness? Is there joy? I don't see it. Oh, I mean, I do see it occasionally. But I mean, when you look at some of these things going on, especially on social media, you see more of the other stuff. You know why? Because the people being kind and loving and everything are doing it much more quietly. So why is the big public face of what we're doing so incongruent with him? Oh, we need to defend him. No, you don't. He doesn't need you to defend him. He might occasionally defend you, but he doesn't need you to defend him. He'll work with those people. Don't you worry about it. Because after all, he worked with you, didn't he? And boy, you were a prize, weren't you? Come on, be honest. Oh, no, I'm sorry. You guys are all wonderful and perfect any moment you came out of the womb. Ready totally to submit to Yahweh's rules and regulations and the covenant. And so you have, you have the hypocrisy and the audacity to give others grief? Shame on you. Where's your patience, your kindness, your compassion? Where is that? He does not always strive nor maintain it forever. Okay? He, does not, he has not done to us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our crookedness. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his kindness to those who fear him. But do you fear him? Teaching number two, being mentioned, fear of Yahweh. Do you fear him? 
I mean, that's where it begins. We, you know, go back to the teaching. Fear of Yahweh is the beginning of wisdom, the beginning of knowledge, the beginning of understanding. Too bad the Chabad doesn't understand that. But they do, but they don't. Because those letters actually mean wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. <laughs> okay? That's the acronym there. Okay? Chachma, Bina, and Das. But you know what? A lot of them do act like with what limited knowledge they have, they do fear him. They fear him at least in the limited understanding that they have. But do we fear him? Do we understand that? Where You know, all of you to think you're so smart and you're correcting everybody. And I've said this often. If you are talking to somebody about Yahweh, Torah, Scripture, whatever, and you cannot maintain your fruit of the Ruach HaKodesh, you're still wrong, even if you were right. Even if technically you were right. Doesn't matter that you understood the verse correctly and the other person didn't. If you could not do it in love and joy and peace and patience and meekness and kindness and gentleness, etc. With self-control, you were still wrong. You need to understand that is a fact. That's not an opinion. That is a fact. If you cannot maintain that state then you're still wrong. Because you must maintain that level of ruach, of spirit. See, what happens is the spirit of man takes over and you are personally offended by what someone said or did. After services or if you're online, just let us know. We'll ship you out a feelings bag and you'll take care of all that. If you've never heard me say this before, all these people walking around with their feelings all over the floor, that's embarrassing. You need to clean it up, pick it up, and stick it in your pocket or in a bag. Don't let people walk around stepping on them. Oh, he hurt my feelings. Well, you should have had them in your pocket. Why would you have them out there where he could step on them? Well, she hurt my feelings. Same thing. You know, go back to developing the character of Yeshua, where I talk about a selfless person. Are we supposed to become selfless? A selfless person cannot be offended. You can't hurt their feelings because they realize the flaw was in you, not them, if you did something mean or unkind to them. But if people are hurting your feelings and you're getting offended, you haven't arrived yet. So stop acting like you had and stop judging everybody else. You know, they spit on Yeshua. They cursed him, they scourged him, they mocked him. They did everything they could to embarrass him in public. And did he say a word? Nope. Did he get all angry and offended? Nope. It takes a lot less to get you angry and offended, though, doesn't it? Our covenant, essentially, the point of it is to give us the tools, the vehicle to transform from what we are into what he is. You know, in 1 John... You know, John likes to say, I do not understand exactly what he is like. Now, if John didn't understand, why do we think we're so smart? Do you think you know better than John about Yeshua? He walked and talked to him. In 1 John 3, in verse 2, he says, Beloved ones, now we are children of Elohim, but it's not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed... We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. But I'm going to add something. I think John missed the point there. He assumed something. We're not just going to be like him because we see him as he is. We're going to be like him because we already became like him. 
If you haven't already become like him in character, he's not going to give you the physical body to be like him when we've been transformed. My opinion, if you don't agree, that's fine. But that's the whole point of this physical life, breathing, heart pumping, all that other stuff, is so that we can have time to become like him. That doesn't mean plastic surgery and getting into the same physical shape or trying to physically walk the way he walked or move the way he moved. No, it means becoming like him in character. Kind, compassionate, selfless, patient, generous, all those things. But yet we think, oh no, I'm so smart, I need to correct everybody. Why? Who anointed you and appointed you to that job? Although there are people out there in their delusional mind think they've been anointed and appointed that, and they'll contact teachers like me and other teachers thinking it's their job to straighten all the teachers out. I don't see that anywhere in Scripture. I see some prophets being sent to kings and to the nation as a whole. I don't see anybody being sent to teachers telling the teachers they're wrong. Yahweh deals with that. It's not your job. You think a teacher's wrong? Go find another teacher. Or maybe sit down and find out that maybe it's you, not him, that was wrong. Find out if it's your ego and pride that got in the way. If you really are anointed and appointed, how about sharing your understanding with others in a loving way that says, this is my way of seeing it, maybe it'll bless you. Instead of going around telling everybody how stupid they are and correcting you. I've said this before, but one of my sort of favorite things that makes me just laugh is when I get the email from the person thinking they're trying to be nice and trying to encourage me saying, but they start off with, well, I've listened to a whole bunch of your teachings and, and, and you're right about most things or I agree with you on most things. I'm like, oh boy, I feel so much better knowing that I, you, know, you think some of my stuff is good. Thank you, whoever you are. And by the way, who are you and why should I need to be in line with you? That's not saying I think I'm right about everything. It's just very strange I listen to a lot of teachers just to kind of be on the pulse of what's going on in the body. And I disagree with a lot of what's out there. And you know what? I can count on no hands how many times I've called any of them to tell them they're wrong or email them to tell them they're wrong or email them to tell me, well, you know, I agree with most of your stuff, but there are a few things, you know. Zero times have I done this. It's not my job. Now, if they were to come into this organization and allow me to be have a headship, then I would have an opportunity because that would be a relationship that's agreed to. Does that make sense? But why do we think it's our job to go around correcting everybody? Oh, we do something even worse than that. We go up to our friends or people that we barely know on Facebook and then we think are our friends or whatever, and we go... Do you know what so-and-so believes? Or do you know what so I saw so-and-so doing this? Oh, this is good. And nobody's afraid of Lashon Hara? The evil speak? Casting negative things about other people in public? Embarrassing people? Shaming people? Oh, like your life is so perfect. Oh, no. You're just good about hiding it in private. So people don't get to see it. Like the person who they find out was like the, the, the model citizen, but at home he was beating his spouse almost to death. Oh, but he didn't do any of that in public. Oh, but we're so perfect. Well, you put on a good public show, maybe. 
See, people get a little bit weird with me sometimes because I don't put on a public show. You get what you get publicly and privately. When you see me in private, I'm the same as in public. That used to frustrate my wife a little bit because she wanted me to put on a better show. I'm me. So whether you like it or not, you're going to get reality. I'm a work in progress like all of you. But why do we think that we can look down on and judge others? When did you become perfect? Well, let's be careful with that. Now realize this, he says, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his kindness to those who fear him, as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us, as the Father has compassion for his children, so Yahweh has compassion for those who fear him. Now let's stop there for a second and go back to the unforgiveness problem. First of all, I want you to take this Christianese junk out of your system that anytime you don't like the way someone's treating you after you had an issue, and you say, well, you just have unforgiveness. You don't get to decide if that person has forgiven you or not. Well, they didn't apologize. That still doesn't mean they haven't forgiven you. It's not your problem to worry about whether they forgave you. It's your problem to worry about whether you forgave them. Because I hear this from all these people coming out of Christianity, all this, well, that person's just suffering from unforgiveness. Or people come to you and say, well, uh, Rabbi, I need to counsel with you because, you know, someone told, told me that I, I just have, I'm suffering from unforgiveness. I said, are you? Well, I don't know. Why are you listening to people? Why do you let anybody and everybody just speak into your lives? You know, there was a thing I learned when I was in a multi-level marketing thing once years ago. We were cautioned about people that were SNIOPed. It's an acronym. Susceptible to negative influences of other people. Most of you are suffering from that disease. You are overly susceptible to people. And somehow you're giving them a lot of influence. Because I've had people who are, who are divorced and now married run into somebody who has this whole doctrine against how evil and wrong and how they're in sin, start speaking to them, people who they only met on Facebook who they don't even know. They're, they're miserable, they're crying, they're depressed. And I said, well, did you listen to the teaching I did? Yes. Then why are you listening to that person you don't even know? But they said, who cares what they said? Who is they? You don't even know this person. Do you know the person? No, we're just kind of friends on Facebook and blah, blah, blah. So you don't know the person. You've never met them. You really don't know them. Then why are you letting them influence you? Oh, you know, Rabbi, I saw this teaching and it said, oh, listen, this was different than what you said and I'm all messed up now. Why are you listening to that? What have I told you always? Your job is to find yourself the teacher that Paul's talking about when he says, I've given you these fivefold guys. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, shepherds. Go find that teacher that you're supposed to be with and then don't let other teachers confuse you. If you hear something confusing, simply go to the teacher and say, I heard this, wasn't sure what to do with it, and the teacher can help you understand it out. I'm not saying this, whoever's teaching, you need to vet, find, and get under a teacher. That's what Paul tells you. Because he said, you need these guys until, this is in Ephesians, when he says, until we all come into the completeness and fullness and unity of Messiah. Has that happened yet? No. So you still need these guys, don't you? And it doesn't mean just whoever's in front of the room is that guy. You need to go find them. That's part of why so many of you have moved here, because you believe maybe you found one. Not because I claimed to be one. That was your choice. 
But if you found one, why are you letting anybody else confuse you? That doesn't make any sense at all. Can we all agree that for any topic, you can find at least four, five, ten opinions on YouTube of a teacher teaching on that topic? So what does that sound like? Sounds like confusion, doesn't it? So are you fishing for an opinion that agrees with you? Although most of the time, I got people that are depressed and upset because they listened to somebody that was teaching, in my opinion, something incorrectly and attacking the person for it. I know a few... The reason I did the divorce, remarriage, and putting away teaching... By the way, it's funny. There are comments on the video that we deleted before they got on there saying, oh, I know why you did this. You've been divorced, haven't you? And this is why you're doing the teaching to, to defend your choices. I've never been divorced. I've only been married once for 20 years now to my beautiful bride. I was going to say wife and bride in the same word. It didn't come out right. Okay? I've not had other marriages. There was no agenda there. You want to know what my agenda was? I watched a few ladies that I knew, and they weren't all here in the United States, who were actively, abusively attacking marriages because they didn't understand Scripture. They were coming from that old Christian teaching that was not understanding the difference between divorce and putting away. And when Yahweh, and they, they didn't understand that Yahweh never, ever says he hates divorce. That's not what the Hebrew word means. It's not what the Greek word means. Oh, but that person then started speaking to that person's life and literally thought, made them think that their wonderful marriage that they were in after having a horrible one. A lot of these people in their second marriage are finally understanding how wonderful it can be after being in an awful, abusive one. And now they have these people attacking them, telling them how they're in sin and they need to leave their husbands. Shameful stuff. But my question is, why are you listening to these people? Why are you being snyopped? Why are you being susceptible to their negative influences? Go find an anointed appointed and talk to them and find out what's really going on. So that was my agenda for writing that teaching. But that's another teaching that was mentioned. Write it down. But understand this. Yahweh has compassion, mercy, kindness. And by the way, it says specifically that he doesn't do this to everybody. Some of them he just lets do what they're doing because he hasn't called them yet. It's for those who fear him. So maybe when you're not feeling like he's being merciful and compassionate to you, maybe it's because you're not acting like you fear him. Maybe there's some teshuvah issues, repentance issues that you've not really dealt with. You're stubbornly still holding on to some things you need to stop doing. Or things you're refusing to do that you need to start doing. Some of you men still don't wear your seat seat. It's not a fashion statement. It's a commandment. Let's understand there are do's and don'ts. According to the 613 count that the Jews came up with, there's more don'ts than do's. You got 365 of the don'ts, 248 of the do's. Yahweh's much more concerned. It's like a lot of our parent, parenting. You know what you do a lot as parenting? Don't do that. Don't do this. That's going to hurt you. This is not safe. Don't we say that an awful lot as parents? More than we say, do this and do that. He gives you a lot of room on the do's. There's lots of things you can do that are totally neutral. He doesn't care. They're your decision. He's going to see what you do creatively and how you handle things. But he wants to make sure for safety, not only for yourself, but safety for those who you are among, that you don't do the don'ts. He wants you to make sure you're not doing those things. 
We're all safer if we're not murdering. We're all safer if we're not committing adultery. We're all safer if we're not stealing from each other. You see what I'm saying? The don'ts are important. You're not going to have a right relationship with him if you, if you ignore the commandment to don't go towards idolatry. Don't worship other Elohim. Don't. These are all things that will drastically affect your following him. Will you totally fear him if you're doing these other things? No. Because now your heart is split, your mind is split. In more than one direction. Verse 14. You know why he does all these things? For he knows how we are made. He remembers that we are very fragile. We're just dust. I would even prefer if he said how delicate and fragile we are. It's not just that he remembers that we're dirt and we're nothing. He understands that we're, we're very temporary. We break easy. We can die easy. We're just dust. Maybe we just should take out of that the old saying, just remembering that you're dumb as dirt. You're made out of dirt, essentially. So stop thinking you're so smart. But he remembers that we're not so smart. He understands that a man's days are like grass as a flower of the field, so he flourishes, for the wind blows over it, and it is no more. And his place no longer remembers it. You know, that's where he says how fragile we are, how temporary we are. But the kindness of Yahweh is from everlasting to everlasting upon everybody. Nope. Upon you doing whatever it is you want, the way you want, blah, 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 blah. Nope. Upon those who fear him. And I know we did this psalm in that teaching. I know we did. His kindness is from everlasting to everlasting upon those who fear him and his righteousness to the children's children, to those who guard, here it is, the word we were looking for, his covenant. His righteousness is to the children's children of those who guard his covenant. What covenant? Exodus 19. He said, and to those who remember his orders to do them. You remember to do Shabbat, to keep the feasts, to eat correctly. You also should be remembering to love your neighbor as yourself. All of the commandments. He says, his orders. And to those who remember his instructions, his orders. I like the way this is worded now that I'm reading it out loud. These aren't suggestions. I want you to think militarily. He does a lot of things that's very much a military structure. He has given you orders, not options, not suggestions, not things to consider. He does want you to consider things. You know what he wants you to consider? The star, the sun, the moon, everything, to realize how awesome your creator is. He wants you to consider those things. Consider who you're dealing with. But he doesn't want you just to consider his instructions. He calls them orders. You are not to do this. You are to do that. I expect this to be done. I expect that not to be done. And he expects to be obeyed. Hmm, the covenant of Exodus 19 was what? We agreed to obey everything that came out of his mouth, whether it was nice as in, you know, oh, you know, I think it'd be great if you guys would do this. I don't see Yahweh saying that anywhere. He said, thou shalt not. 
Thou shalt. Those are orders. You shall do these things. You shall not do these other things. Remember now, his kindness is from everlasting to everlasting upon those who fit into this category, who fear him and who guard his covenant and those who remember his orders to do them. Is there anything that says remember? Oh, you know in the Ten Commandments, in one place it says guard the Sabbath and another one says remember the Sabbath. He wants us to guard his commands. He tells us to remember his commands. It's not so hard for some of you to guard. Part of the problem is the remembering. Because when you remember, some of you do pretty good in guarding. I think some of us could admit, yeah, when I remember, I do pretty good with that. But the remembering part is tough. It's so easy for somebody to go ahead and influence you because they'll step on those feelings you let out on the floor. And all of a sudden, your memory goes off out in the nowhere land. You don't remember anything. It's like those people that, you know, maybe had too, many, too much to drink. Next thing you know, they got in a big fight. The next morning they wake up, they don't know where they got the shiner from. Or where the blood was on their clothes from or whatever. Because they were, had their inhibitions loosened up. They lost control of their emotions. Any of us guilty of that without even drinking? Why? Because we let our feelings out there where they can be stepped on by everybody. They're your feelings. Keep them to yourself. Don't put them out there where I can step on them. I'm not done being worked on. Which means that I'm not ready to avoid stepping on your feelings. I may do it some of the time. I'm trying. I don't want to step on them. Of course, I can't always see them. It would be nice if if we had a way to see the feelings all over the floor. I picture it kind of like entrails. Just ugly stuff just everywhere. Just all over the place. And they're like... Like million arms of like an octopus or something, and you could just step on them. You need to keep that stuff hidden where nobody gets to see that. I swear, I swear, I'm serious. I am going to put feelings bags out there. I'm going to start handing them out. Some of you need like a feelings trailer to hitch on the back of your car. Yeah, I'm going to get you a little red wagon. What's that for? Oh, my feelings. I got too many of them. Just dragging them around. Get you a little red wagon for your feelings. Some of you might need a Sherpa. And like baggages in a camel or something. Just carry it all around. I'm serious. We need to stop this. Because this is serious stuff. Look, he wants you to remember his orders. I think a lot of the times we forget when we get our emotions and our feelings in the way. And it's not always because somebody stepped on them. It's sometimes because, but I don't want to do that. Or I don't like that. Oh, but I really love this and I want to do it. Excuse me, I don't want to do it anyway. I doesn't want you to. Some of you had a few things that were really easy. Maybe a lot of things were really easy to let go of. But you know what? There was two or three things maybe that, man, it was tough. You loved it. You liked it. You enjoyed it. It was a part of your routine. You were addicted to it, whatever it was. And you still struggle because of the emotional attachment. You got to knock that off. You got to stop it. I didn't even get through one psalm. It's already 45 minutes. Okay. Let's see. Yahweh has established his throne in the heavens, and his reign shall rule over all. So he's kind of putting that as like a kind of hammered down, you know, exclamation point. After saying all this, the kindness is everlasting, and all these things to those who fear him, he says, look, do not forget who you're dealing with. 
Yahweh has established his throne in the heavens, and his reign shall rule over all. Well, if his reign is going to reign over all, does he need you to straighten everything out for everybody? I think he can handle it. Everybody you're dealing with falls into the category of all. Is there anybody that, is there anybody that doesn't fall into that? It's everybody. He'll deal with it. I'm not worried about it. Bless Yahweh, you, you his messengers, mighty in power, who do his word. Listening to the voice of his word. You know, you could take that as a deeper hidden hint to that thing towards Yeshua. You are listening to the voice of Yeshua. The voice of his word. Isn't Yeshua the word made flesh? He says, and you're going to, when you hear that voice, you are to listen to it. Bless Yahweh, all you his hosts, you his servants, who do his pleasure. Do you want to not be considered? A lot of us talk, well, I want to be a servant of the Most High. He just told you what it takes to do that. What does it say? To do his pleasure. You want to be a servant of the Most High? Do his pleasure. You know, there's verses in the New Testament talk about to go after and seek after what is well-pleasing in his sight. Those are the things that are pleasing, pleasure, same word. You want to serve him? Do his pleasure. Oh, but I'm too busy doing my pleasure. I don't have time for that. Bless Yahweh, all his works in all places of his rule. Bless Yahweh, oh my being. Wow, that is powerful. You may want to just go read Psalm 103 over and over again. You know, you can spend every day just sitting in the Psalms if you're not just reading it through his poetry and reading through it as beautiful stuff, but let it hit you. Let it pierce you. Let it come inside of you and expose what needs to be exposed. This is just right here in Psalm 103. Let's go to Psalm 105. I don't know how far we'll get here, but I'm going to do the whole Psalms, 45 verses, in 15 minutes. I don't know how that's going to work. Okay. Psalm 105. We're going to begin in verse 1. Give thanks to Yahweh. Isn't that interesting how... Look at the first verse of Psalm 106. Praise Yah. Oh, give thanks to Yahweh. Oh, there's a theme. Psalm 107. Give thanks to Yahweh, for he is good. Hmm. Do you see how you see it in so many places? He just, this is the right way to start. Psalm 104, bless Yahweh, O my being. Psalm 103, bless Yahweh, O my being. 98, sing to Yahweh a new song. Yahweh shall reign, 99. Raise a shout to Yahweh, 100. Yahweh shall reign, 97. Not every psalm starts this way. 92, it is good to give thanks to Yahweh. Hmm. You see the theme here? Start off in the right head, the right mind, the right heart. Giving thanks to Yahweh, appreciation. We really suffer because we have a problem with appreciation. Spoiled is, is the word they, you know, they, they use for people that don't appreciate, who have so much. We're spoiled. When we say spoiled and we talk about people, we think of one sort of, sort of annoying, bratty, irritating sort of behavior. But what does spoiled mean? If you look at food, what does spoiled mean? It's no good. It's of no use. It's rotted. So that's what spoiled. So are you spoiled? Or are you ready to start all your thoughts with, give thanks to Yahweh. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Now, let's be careful with the, the, the part there about making known his deeds. This is not an instruction to go knock on doors and become a Jehovah's Witness or some other thing. Make known his deeds among the peoples. 
How do you do that? When people talk to you and ask you, why are you happy when the rest of us are not? Why do you seem to have shalom when the rest of us are all under chaos and confusion? What is your secret? Oh, let me tell you about Yahweh and what he's done for me. Make known his deeds when someone asks you. You know, someone may look at my eye where I got the injury and I have an opportunity to say, you know what? It is a miracle. It is amazing that I could black out, fall flat on my face, straight on the glasses, and not lose an eye or need stitches or anything. No concussion, no bust, no damage to my neck or back, no headaches, nothing. I can make known. I mean, what is the random chance of that happening? Literally just going dead weight on your face. Didn't break my nose, could have. Could have broke my teeth, not, not, no, no lip damage, no teeth, nothing. I guess I landed more tilted so the, the forehead hit, but no, no concussion, no headaches. You make known his deeds when you have something to say. And by the way, you don't have something to say if you're not paying attention to his deeds. He's doing, you know, when we pray every week, you hear me say, Abba, thank you for the miracles, small and great, that you do every day in our lives, just enough to remind us that you're there and that you care. So that gives you things every day that if opportunity came up, you could share with somebody. It'll come up at a natural conversation. You don't need to pester the person in line at the store. Some of you think a person in line at the store is an evangelical moment. Please don't do that to me. We had, uh, years ago, we went on a cruise. There you go. Just like we just got back from. And we flew to Orlando and took the shuttle from Orlando to Port Canaveral where the boat was. The bus driver decided he had a captive audience of 60 people in his bus. He was going to proselytize us all. He was going to preach at us. Okay? He got about three or four minutes into it and nobody said anything. And I said, well, let's see if he stops. No, he looked like he was going to do it the whole way. So I stood up and I went over to him and said, excuse me, sir. We're not here for that. Just drive the bus. <laughs> now, I did say to him, I said, and I'm a preacher and I'm not going to preach unless you want to give me equal time on the mic. But you don't need to assume just because somebody's sitting next to you in an airplane or on a bus or in line at the supermarket or whatever, that this is an opportunity for you to witness. Every moment you interact with somebody, you're witnessing because they're going to see if you have the fruit of the Spirit. They're going to see how you handle things. They're going to see if your feelings are all over the place or if you got them under control. That's your witness. And if they ask questions, answer their questions and not more. I haven't said this in a while, but when someone asks me a question, it is not an invitation to vomit everything I know in their face. Somebody might ask you about your seat seat. So you know what I do? I tell them where that comes from. And usually their eyes roll when they hear the word Bible and they're done. Don't confuse curiosity with interest. How do you know which is which? Some of you may wonder. Well, how do I know? If they're interested, they'll ask a second question. Let them lead. Let them lead. You don't just vomit and spew everything. Oh, I got one. What do you like? Coming out of Christianity with your harpoon and your fishing rod going, got one. Or It's not about that. He doesn't need you to save anybody. Go back and listen to Are You Saved? There's another teaching. Write it down. All right. Go back and listen to Are You Saved? 
You can't save anybody. It's not your job. And thankfully, it's not your job. If he was counting on us, boy, would this thing be in trouble. He is not counting on you to save anybody. He's counting on you to do your part to embrace the salvation he's made available to you. But when somebody talks to you, you need to be prepared to give an answer. You go to your boss and say, look, I can't work that overtime. It's on Shabbat. He might ask you why. You get to explain. Is he interested? No. Is he curious? Maybe. So explain yourself. It's not a big deal. But don't take that as an opportunity just to spew. And then a the person's like, oh, hey, hold on. I just, was, I just saw the things and thought I'd ask a question about the seat seat. Okay. Back to Psalm 105. Sing to him, verse 2. Sing praise to him. Speak of all his wonders. Now, some of you, I've heard you sing. Do that in private. Um, I'm sorry. Couldn't help myself. You know what? I've heard a lot of joyful noise. And I actually love hearing those of you that you know you can't sing, but you're doing it in full voice because you're trying to praise him. I actually really appreciate seeing those of you that don't care, you're in the congregation, and you are singing in full voice, and you know you can't sing. But it shouldn't matter. It's what your heart is towards him. You're trying to sing that joy towards him. Sing to him, praise him, speak of all his wonders. Who are you speaking of all his wonders to? Those who have an opportunity to have a naturally flowing, logical conversation about those things. You don't need to stop everybody on the street to tell everybody about his wonders. Because they're not interested. Unless there is a reason for you to be having that conversation. Maybe you're talking to somebody and they're frustrated and they're depressed. And they're going through some miserable time. And you can say, look, let me ask you a question. If, if I had, and I know this happens all the time. If I had a, a health issue of any sort, probably almost every one of you would have a remedy of some sort to recommend to me. You would. If I was telling you that I was having some sort of pain or distress or digestive thing or whatever it was, you would have a food, a supplement, an oil, something, right? You would have something to tell me to stop doing, to start doing, maybe some sort of treatment with some sort of heat or cold. I mean, you would have something. This is the same. If someone tells you they've got an ailment and you know Yahweh and Yeshua are the cure, then you can gently say, if you're interested... I have something that I think really helps. It helped me. I was there. Because normally the people that recommend to me is because they had the same symptoms, they tried something, and it worked. Right? We agree? I mean, usually we're not recommending something you haven't tried. You say, wow, I had that same problem. This is what I did, and it really helped. Yes? No? So you're talking to somebody, and they're miserable. And you understand why they're miserable because you were in that same place at one point and it was the truth, the Torah, Yeshua, Yahweh, the whole thing that brought you the solution. It was the salve. It was the supplement. It was the treatment that brought you what you needed. So be ready to share with people, but do it not in a pushy way. Say, look, you might not be interested at all, but just so from my point of view, this is my testimony. I was where you were, where you are right now. Not where you are, but where you are. I was there, and this is what helped me. If that makes sense to you, I'd be happy to share a little bit about it. If not, don't worry about it. By the way, do the same thing with your natural remedies. Don't be pushy. 
Because some of you are also pushy about it. Not everybody is interested. Okay? Ask them. Gauge that. You know, some of you need to take it even to a simple level, like when you call. First words out of your mouth should be, after you say hello, is, are you busy? Do you have a minute? Some of you do that, some of you don't. Because you may catch somebody in a very busy moment. I'm not just saying when you call the ministry, with anybody. When you call and you say hi, just ask, hey, is this a good time? Are you busy? That's polite. Before you offer anything, even if it's just social conversation, find out if the person's ready and interested in receiving it. That's the same thing goes for supplemental health stuff. Same thing goes for financial advice. Same thing goes to, doesn't matter what it is, especially political stuff. Be really careful with that. I mean, that might really turn into fighting words. And by the way, I want all of you to make a commitment to de-escalate any emotional attachment to anything governmental. This government, as all governments, eventually will collapse and Yeshua will be taking over. So stop getting so emotionally wound up in left-right paradigms and all that other stuff. Neither side will ultimately fix anything. They may make things temporarily a little better. Hey, great. Appreciate that. But don't get yourself tied up in that emotional trap. It's a trap. It's quicksand. And it never bears good fruit. Okay? Do not get all wound up in thinking that one side or the other is going to fix ultimately anything. They may fix some things temporarily, but it's like the kings of old. What did you learn from the Bible? Good king, bad king. Good king, bad king. By the way, you notice it wasn't Republican king, Democrat king. No, it had nothing to do with that. It has to do with people. The people involved sometimes will make some decisions that make life a little better. Sometimes they'll make ones that life will make a little worse. But they're not being guided by his instructions. That's why Yeshua is going to come. And the word is going to go forth from Zion. And the word of Yahweh from Jerusalem. And then everybody's going to learn Torah. That's the only real solution. So please, we're coming up towards, now we just finished with the, the midterm elections. Very quickly after January, we're going to all be talking about 2020. I don't want anybody, you'll do it anyway. I don't want anybody to come to me and tell me how this is the most important election ever. Every year I hear this. There is no election that is that important. They all ultimately are flawed human experiences. Can we agree? Now, if you have an opinion and you're upset and you're not willing to vote, well then shame on you. Keep your mouth shut. Okay, because maybe you should vote for whoever you think might make a little bit of a difference. Otherwise, don't complain about it. Just accept that it is what it is. Nothing to complain about. Okay? If you don't like the one that's in power, vote for the other one. If you like the one in power, vote for the one in power. That doesn't matter to me. But don't get emotionally involved thinking they're the ultimate answer. Okay? The left doesn't have the ultimate answer. Neither does the right. Neither does the middle. Yeshua is the only one with the ultimate answer. And that's part of the covenant, right? The only way things work is if the world, ultimately at some point, agrees to covenant and obey his voice. And if you want to look at the one covenanting as the Father, Yeshua is his voice. Listen to, do you know the Father and the Son, starting in part six. My sheep hear or know my voice. My sheep hear my voice. Man, we're starting to have so many teachings, it's hard for me to remember these things now. I was looking on YouTube this morning for something, and I saw we have 1,129 videos or something like that. 
How could that be possible? 1,100 videos. Okay, do you understand what I'm saying? We need to embrace what this is talking about. It says, make known his deeds, sing praises to him, speak of all his wonders in the right context. Mostly, I want you doing it when you're doing your self-talk. Remind yourself, you speak of all his wonders, especially amongst the brethren. Encourage each other by saying, you, you got to hear what he did for me yesterday. Because if you do that with me, I will be greatly encouraged. You do it to the person in the supermarket line, they may think you're weird. Or annoying at the very minimum. But share that with each other. Because some of you have had a period of time where you're not recognizing his wonders in your life. And you need to hear some encouragement that he's still doing things for people. And then don't get depressed like, why isn't he doing it for you? No, why don't you go on your knees and ask him, why either A, am I not seeing it because my emotions are blinding me to all the wonderful things you're doing? Or B, what am I doing that's blocking you because I've cut myself off by my actions? Maybe you've made choices that have cut you off. He says, make your boast in a set-apart name. Let the hearts rejoice of those seeking Yahweh. Seek Yahweh in his strength. Seek his, seek his face always. Remember his wonders which he has done, his miracles and right rulings of his mouth. We're going to end there in verse 5. Because that, that actually says and emphasizes everything I just said. Seek him and his strength and his face always and remember his wonders which he has done, his miracles and right rulings of his mouth. Not just in here in the book, in the scriptures, but in your own life. Don't you tell me, any of you, that you don't have a testimony. He works through doing some of those things for you to show you that he's there and that he cares. Signs and wonders have what purpose? To strengthen emunah, to strengthen faith. And every one of you needed that at some point. And he's done something, probably hundreds of somethings, if you were paying attention in your lives to encourage you and strengthen you. Amen? Father, we come before you and we want to praise your holy name. We want to give thanks to you and call upon your name and remember all your wonders and your deeds. We want to sing to you. We want to declare all of your right rulings and all of your wonderful things, compassion, mercy, patience that you pour forth on those of us who are covenanted, who are seeking your face, who fear you. Father, we, we understand from Deuteronomy 8, uh, let's see, 10, 12, when you say, what is, through Moses, what is, it, what is it that you're looking for us? Well, to fear you. Step one, that we have a proper awe, reverence, and respect for you. And a lot of that comes from us remembering all the things that you have done and continue to do and that we're looking forward to you doing in the future. Father, strengthen us. And help us to remember that it's our choice as we've covenanted through choice, through free will, we have chosen to covenant to do what you say, to obey your voice, trusting and knowing that you, you, you would only, you're the only one that really knows what's right and wrong. You're the only one that knows where to put our feet. You're the only one that knows what brings joy, love, peace, all of the fruit of the Ruach. Help us to truly immerse ourselves, submit ourselves, and empty ourselves of ourselves and take on fully what you have. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We ask that you would help us to do this as we go forth through this week, to take what we learned in this teaching through reading the Psalms and to incorporate what needs to be incorporated into our own lives. Father, we praise you. We love you. 
We appreciate everything you do, and we appreciate especially that we can come to you in the authority of your Son, our Messiah Yeshua. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to Now is the Time with Steve Berkson here on Hebrew Nation Radio. Now is the Time Radio is a production of MTOI, Messianic Torah Observant Israel. For more information, visit mtoi.org.